Welcome to The Lumber Word, where industry veterans Matt Beamer, Greg Riley, and Ashley Buckold dissect the world of commodity lumber each week. We bring you up-to-date insights on supply, demand, and market trends, sharing our trading expertise to benefit everyone in the supply chain. Join us for informative and entertaining discussions that guarantee to make you wiser about all things lumber. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of The Lumber Word. We're recording this on the 28th. Uh, hopefully get it out pretty quickly. We've got a great guest. He was on, I don't know, two or three weeks ago, Casey O'Neill. Casey, welcome back. Thank you for uh, for joining. Yeah, thanks for having me uh, and the, the invite back. Um, got a lot of positive uh, feedback on the last one and had some good you, you, you were a big you were a big crowd favorite case yeah I mean, no. thank you there's a lot of love out there for you very good so real good we'll, we'll jump into this in a second I want to say um had some good feedback on last week's show so we hit our in the 10 shows that we've put on here we've done multiple before we hit our five thousand five thousandth download this week. And the episode with Brian just on Podbeam and a few of them, Podbean, we had uh, about 450 downloads, including the YouTube ones over 500. The ones we can't count, I'm going to say we're somewhere up in the 700 to 1,000 range. I think that's I think that's uh, pretty good, boys. So I mean, we're well on our way to getting that Joe Rogan kind of money, right? I'm thinking, you know, Spotify is going to be coming after us pretty soon, aren't they? Did you say Joe Rogan? Because I did start that a month ago. <laughs> hey ash i just saw uh elon my buddy elon just sent me a, a tweet saying that video spaces are now live on x so maybe I we saw, do, maybe we can do that on x we'll have elon on i saw it it looks really it looks really cool don't we alienate a certain percentage of our audience by uh by being on x you mean the ones that are on threads <laughs> the, the three that are the three that are on threads now craig <laughs> 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 so oh, it's a good it's Greg, a good thing Greg, nobody Greg. listening can see that um, <laughs> so let's i'm gonna i'm gonna go in and summarize what i saw happening the past week um it seems to me two weeks ago we had a little bite start in lumber especially eastern canadian some western spruce euro and it just has slowly built i know Greg and I talked a few times whether there's going to be follow through and every week seems to get a little better and a little better. We, I talked to some of the Eastern mills yesterday and they said they're not quoting out any farther than three weeks, which means they are starting to have holes in what they can quote. So overall, we're in the right part of the year for that. I think inventories were low. Greg had some really good observations about shipping direct to some job sites, which he normally doesn't. So I think overall the bite is continuing. It feels good. Matt, what are you seeing in US, Western Canadian, down in your Texas market? It feels just nice and solid right now. You know, it's funny. Last week I, I said that I was going to do a dump on um, tube of four and tube of six green dug fur. And that lasted for about six more hours after I said that. Yeah, so if you would have listened to me on that segment, you would have been wrong. You would have got caught well, with some bad shorts. Well, but Matt, when I heard you said it's a dump, it's a short-term dump, I mean, I immediately went, oh, it's this, it's a buy, right? You were saying, hey, it had the mills have to dump, but for the end users, I think they took that as a signal 
to buy. I guess so, because it it certainly like that was on Wednesday at, at ten o'clock our time. By Thursday at ten o'clock our time, we had a massive pile of orders to sift through on the Green Duck for Narrows, going to California, where it had just dropped about eight inches of rain in the previous week. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to pull Greg's thing this week and just say I don't want to dump anything at this point. But uh, to get back to the original question, my business is I was just having this conversation with a buddy of mine previously to this chat about how I looked at my numbers for the month of February and I was honestly shocked at how much lumber I've sold this month because it doesn't feel busy to me. It just feels, it, it, it feels kind of boring, honestly. I mean, but then I look at the volume of business I've done and it's tremendous. I'm like, well, okay, so maybe none of it's, I'm not getting these 20 and 30 card days, but I've got a bunch of days where I sell three or four cars and four or five trucks and it just is boring and rinse and repeat. And I'm happy with it. I'm not going to try to force the issue. I think that's the problem right now is that if you do try to force the issue on the market, there just isn't enough demand yet. And that's building, but there's not enough supply either to, to catch up with the demand that's coming our way. I can see that based on what your comment Ashley, about the Eastern Mills starting to be a little more selective in what they quote and how they quote it. I can see that happening out West too, where people are now shopping stuff that they could have probably easily covered in December and they're getting no quoted on it from our mills. And that's because we have a basket of orders already. We don't need more orders where all the guy wants to buy is 12s and 16s. Like people are going to have to figure out how to go back to buying lumber, like random lengths like they used to. And they will do that when they're forced to, when nobody quotes them. That'll be the next phase of the market that we start to see here in March is capitulation. Initially, you get capitulation on price. That's a, that's a sign. Then you see capitulation on ship time and tallies. And then when you get all three of those, you've got a real raging bull market. We're not in that yet. We might not even get there. We might just stay in this type of a trading market for the next five or six months. I don't really know. So what inning, what inning are we in, Matt? I love it when you always say you, you kind of equate it to a baseball game. I think and, we're uh, like in the third inning here. I mean, I, I that's the number I wrote down. I wrote down three. I, I think we're in the third inning. So yeah. Um, your wife doesn't have to worry about. about no, no. She, you. she would, th- she would say we're our, how many innings are in a baseball game? <laughs> well, how many innings are in a football game? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that's so, funny. So, you know, Matt, I mean, that, you know, following up on you, I mean, hey, listen, we are in a supply-driven market, right? We're not in a demand pull market. We're in a supply push market. So, it is uneven. And to your comment about, hey, it doesn't seem like it's busy, but you've sold a, a like a ton of lumber. I think a lot of that has to do with the lower level of volatility. It's like. There's lots going on, but there's just not a lot of, there hasn't been a lot of price movement on a lot of items. I mean, there's some items that are, you know, you throw a $20, you know, hoop around the price and that's where it's been for, for, for a long time. What's going to change that? That's what, you know, that's kind of what we're, we're looking for. I mean, hey, the reality, there's going to be less European lumber than has been flowing on a go forward basis. There's less BC lumber. There's less Eastern Canadian lumber. One of the wild cards, you know, is, hey, in February, the weather has been exceptionally good. 
I mean, 70 degrees in Chicago yesterday. I mean, for the whole eastern part of the country, it's been good. It hasn't been good out west, which that's going to be, you know, as that dries out and kicks in, you know, how that Phoenix market affects MSR. You know, with that, with 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 that being said, we're in seasonal strength for another. You know, I mean, I you know, I kind of say it, it extends. I kind of usually say to early April, but given that we haven't had that much of a run, maybe the real seasonal strength that maybe that doesn't come. You know, until after March expiration and as we run into into April, if historically second quarter production is like the second highest production quarter of the year, right? Lowest production quarter is Q1, um, highest production quarter is Q4, and then second lowest three, second highest two. But if we're not gonna get that supply, and Ash, you, you wanna talk about you know what, where we are in inventory, so I'll kind of like, I'll leave that till we move on. I'll, I'll save that till we move on to the, to the B block. Yeah, no, it's, it's okay. That's okay. I was just, you brought up a good point here about, I never really thought about it until you said it. It's funny. <laughs> I buy something like last week and I call a mill this week thinking it's going to be up tremendously and it's either the same price or up $5, right? <laughs> and I'm like, wow. Uh, the other, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, and that's it doesn't make you feel like you're a great buyer, does it? Yeah, no, yeah. you know what? I, Tip of the spear, Ashley. I'm still learning. Greg, I'm doing the old thing. Try to, as it moves up, try to sell more than I'm buying during the day. But uh, <laughs> so, yeah, we'll circle back. You know, that's Ash, you, yeah. Casey, right? Ashley, when, when he got the buy on back in the day, right? He could buy more lumber in a morning than the trading floor could sell in a month. Yeah. It was like eating potato chips for him. I sent Greg an email yesterday saying I hate bought something. And, uh, <laughs> and, and so, then, so then I went, oh, no, that's cool. So then he said, then he bought six more cars. Yeah. <laughs> that, the first one was just a tester. Uh, yeah. He wanted to see what my reaction was. Oh, yeah, that's all fine. <laughs> Ashley, you, uh, you're, you're kind of getting the, the Eastern Western perspective here from the two of us. But the one thing that's changed fundamentally in the last 60 days is what Casey specializes in, which is the yellow pine part, part of it. I mean, it was really on its butt and couldn't get up off the mat here. It was like pinned, you know, and the ref would like had already counted him down to three and they tapped him out and he still was wasn't letting go. They just kept pinning him, you know, like, and it's finally got up off the mat here. So Casey, why don't you talk about the, the miracle of yellow pine, you know? If, if you were in a band right now, Matt, that would be the bridge that you just did right there. <laughs> That's um, I, I mean, you're, you're spot on. It, it, uh, it, it found a bottom in early February. The sales pace has definitely been up. I'd say this kind of my numbers for the month and probably the other traders in our company, we're probably trending... 40 to 50% better sales than the month before. It's not a runaway by any means, but uh, we've seen mills jump anywhere from 15, 20, $30 on some key items. Uh, every time they do that, it's a bit of a fight in the marketplace, but they, you know, so far they've, they've basically been able to establish some new numbers and, and keep that two to three week order file. We kind of think there's probably another dip coming into the market next week. 
this week, you know, Trader Show and all that, our IBS show, and there are a lot of people out, but we think there's probably some some more action coming in next week, and it'll uh, for, further support fine. And from everything that I've been, you know, watching and hearing from the the the, the big pro dealers of the world and the the box stores and whatnot, I mean, everybody expects a, a pretty nice spring season ahead of them. As do I. I think uh, I, I think these guys have pretty good uh, pipelines where they've probably got anywhere from six to ten weeks of, of business in in the trust you know component sector, and and people are going to have to be present in the marketplace. Your rally that's been occurring here for a while, probably about a month, is it? been because mill all the curtailments that occurred in in that were announced or or is it because people were just starting to hey i need more lumber we're getting busier i, I think it's a mix of both we we had some some pine curtailments some some big mill names do do some of that uh i think there's been some some species subbing uh, we kind of talked about that where if you can put a number two pine plate up for what you usually do number three spruce you know people will do that right and I, I just think there's a, enough going on, and it's uh, it's it's much healthier than what the market was 45 days ago. Like so, I'm getting a theme here too. It seems like how are the mills when you go to them with a block now or a one versus a onesie twosie? Like what are they wanting to see, right? Because it seems to me when they're not raising prices that much, they want to build an order file and sell. Yeah, and we all. We all know if what they, has to lead price, right? Yeah, if they can get their their today's number, they'll they'll look at two, three weeks out, possibly a month yeah. out. We're not going to go much farther than that. But if we have some stuff to cover in mid to late March, they'll they'll entertain that. I'm curious because I don't trade yellow pine at all. This is more just out of curiosity. But do they do they run into like a spring breakup period where you get into like really wet? kind of swampy conditions where it's hard to get the logs out of the forest where yeah, it disrupts the production. That, that'll, really, that'll really affect the, uh, the wide, so, the two by 10 and the two by 12. When does that happen? Uh, I think it already, it's happened. Starts, it already happened. Yeah. It's kind of January. starting or have started the, the prices haven't reflected that where two by 10 and two by 12 run $200 and everything else just kind of grinds up. That has not happened yet. To get, but so case um let's let's hit another point industrial lumber what what are we seeing there on the in the pallet market and all that has that changed anything I, since I we think talked? The, the pallet market kind of follows the overall economic feel right if if these big companies want to warehouse extra goods and have inventory which nobody wanted to do that in 2023 mm -hmm. but it seems like it's 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 happening a little more starting this year and uh some of the real cheap Low grade prices are totally out of the market. Some stuff is very hard to find. We saw four by four low grade probably jump 120 bucks in a week and a half, and you can't find it. So there's some stuff that have have reflected uh, much better business activity out there. Are they using that for crating? Four by four? Yeah. Yeah, I would believe so. I'm not 100 percent sure, but I, I I believe that would go into crating. What are you seeing on uh, multifamily jobs coming through, Case? I mean, you know, we were, you know, we talked late last year with Economist and, and you know, there was record number of multifamily jobs in the pipeline and they're projecting a, you know, 20% fall in multifamily this year. 
I mean, from my perspective, it's gotten off to a slow start, but what are you saying? Uh, it's, I mean, we're still fairly steady, I would say. Um, you know, there's, there's some people out there that want to definitely put March and April in the books. And then if you want to be at March and April prices, they'd probably go longer than that. But we really don't want to do that <laughs> just because it, it scares us a little bit to uh, be down here and take long-term business. You know, I think it's steady. I do think the dynamic now, though, is these guys have competed over, you know, their end-use business now for the last six months. And, and there's not a lot of room for error on their side of things where, you know, when prices go from 1000 to 500 they have a nice, healthy profit to take, right? And now it's just been such a grind for so long. There, there's a fight for every dollar out there. Yeah, man, you know what? I, you know, I mean, I, I passed on a bunch of... Uh pine jobs for the first quarter back in November, December, just, you know, because of that thing that, Hey, the prices are too low. They stayed low. They stayed low, but they're not low anymore. So, you know, those are ones, you know, they were January, February start, which, you know, like I, they, they probably won't be starting until March or April. So maybe that was the right call, Ash. Yeah. That's the other, the other thing in that world is uh, anybody who, who lives in it, um, those, those actual, the jobs ready to take wood can extend much farther than what the original uh, pricing was for, or, you know, so we, we, you always have to factor that in, no doubt about it. Eight out, eight out of nine jobs stop, start 30 to 90 days past the, the initial estimate. Yeah. So Greg, you brought up a good point the other day. You noticed a lot of non-traditional people were shipping and asking on inquiry on job site, direct deliveries. And the way that you explained it like made a lot of sense, right? And I try to I try to do that. You know, I try to make sense. Well, it's like 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 I say, I need to have it explained to me like I'm a 12 year old sometime, which makes sense. Like, so your point was a lot of these people that took these jobs last year for the first quarter don't have enough money in them now to run them through the mill or run them through the the yard. Did I hear that right? And they're shipping them direct. Yeah, I mean, I think I mean I've seen in the last week uh, a number of pro dealers with direct ship, which normally is the yard sold something, the markets moved up and in order to, main, you know, to, to maintain some margin, they ship it direct instead of through the yard. That's what, I, that's what I think, that's what I think's happening. But there's also another part of that, which is time. And so mm. they, they might've got caught short and they couldn't get anyone to take the orders you know, on rail or trucks a month ago and they finally just threw in the towel and they're like, you know, we just need to ship it directly to the job site. Can you get it there in the next week or so? We, we do get those also. So when I start to see that, especially shipping from Oregon and Washington, like say Colorado Springs or Northern New Mexico, like to some job site, that's not normal behavior. And that tells me that they either threw in the towel because of time or price or both. It's a capitulation is what it is. I mean, I ask everybody is really excited to talk about OSB and Casey's. He's a player. Yeah, He's a player. I, I, I was like, so everybody every week says, when are you going to have somebody on to talk OSB? When are you going to have somebody on to talk OSB? And it's like, Casey, let's talk about the OSB market. There's, and again, I don't know anything about it. I'm not saying how I know the dynamics. 
And after listening to you talk, Casey, offline, I don't think I want to know the dynamics because yes, there's yes. too much to unwind. I'm already having a, a hard enough time learning yeah. how to trade what I used to trade anyway. But yeah. if yeah, I heard you right, uh, you got you got a print number and you got an actual oh, number yeah. it's trading at, and they aren't yeah. really close. No, they're not. So, um, you know, industrial forest products, we we are, are very active in the OSP market. We do have some milk contracts that help feed our shed business basically you know we'll we'll do shed trims out of our manufacturing facilities and they'll they'll want osb along with it and then we'll we'll trade the open market also um either buying direct from producer or you know secondary contracts in the marketplace right and uh we've seen this now a couple times this right now currently what's going on is, is very drastic i would say three two and a half three weeks ago the secondary contract trading was probably 10 to 15 over print and print was stuck at 355 right in the southeast now prints finally ticked up a little bit i think it's printing at 370 um i would say that secondary world is trading at 450 mil it just skyrocketed in the last two and a half weeks and it's really exposed the fact that um that people need OSB, right? And they're not they're not sitting super heavy right now, in, in 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 my view of things, anyways. And the mills have done a tremendous job on the open market that they do have, right? I I personally think this this marketplace with all the large pro dealers and whomever else has contracts, it's probably anywhere from fifty five to sixty five percent contracted. And that 30 to 35% that they're playing with, not playing with, but have in the open market, they they have done a phenomenal job keeping it in balance with supply and demand. And if you don't have a lot of your needs fed through that contract world, it's kind of the wild west out there right now. What's the the price reflecting on the market reports? Are they are they gonna catch up or is this just the well, if- I put it this way: I I would say the OSB market's probably in the fourth or fifth inning, and print's probably in the first. In my opinion, that's what consolidation does, and when you have a lot of contract business, right? I mean, it's I'm curious who's actually even reporting prices anymore, and I don't know anything about it. So uh, it just seems the big beneficiaries are this are the home centers, right? That are doing their volume off of print. Absolutely, absolutely, and anybody with 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 heavy contracts, right? Mm. They've, they've been able to uh, have their costs stay lower. And then uh, companies who uh, trade open market who have a bit of that, um, it's, it's been beneficial for sure. Ash, under the uh, shameless, I'd like to take advantage of mixes in the market. Uh, to any of our listeners that may have extra contract product available that they would like to sell and you know turn a quick profit, Call one nine hundred G Man. Are you talking to us? Or they, or they can call or email you, or Casey, or Matt. There, there you go. There you go. Well, that's that's. I mean, that's you know, like I, I mean, I remember as you know, back in the day, uh, prior life that you had. I mean, you know, your arbitrage with like retailers that had extra contract wood, you know, you made a business of the, the logistics of moving stuff from 
markets that you know weren't as active to other markets. That's a great point. So what we did, we took we asked retailers out there that had the ability to take extra contacts. If they only use five a month, but but they have the ability to take ten. This is one of those things where you take. This is not an. I'm not giving any ideas, but there's a potential there. We have, you have, we have a disclaimer on the web, on, yeah. on our podcast. I mean, Dave <laughs> puts the whole disclaimer out there. You can, you you know, if you're a retailer, not anybody what to do, but you yeah. might be able to do this. You should max your contracts out if you can, and then sell them in the spot market. Uh huh. We would I mean, never do such a thing. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, no. I remember we had a guy, Casey. Remember this when. The spread was like two, three hundred dollars between, and there was no open market wood available at all. But you could go to certain box big stores, box stores, and <laughs> we had a guy that we had a guy that went like went around and just collected that stuff up. Uh, he got he a flew, lot of uh, he got a lot of points on his credit card. I he, think flew he flew first class. Uh, he flew first class to New Zealand <laughs> off of that trade. <laughs> he and his wife. <laughs> uh, that's that's a good point. Well, appreciate that. So let's. Let's go over to some other items here. I saw we had Brian on uh, last week and uh, great, great guest. And he talked a lot about the market and so forth. But I saw this week Buffett sold his DR Horton stock. Is there anything we should read into that at all, except that he had a tiny amount of it and decided that he'd book the profit and and take the and move on to the next thing? I mean, aren't they recent all time highs? The home the home guys and the like the BFSs of the world. Now they're starting to buy like Louisiana Pacific and, and that kind of stuff, right? If you look at the manufacturers like Frazier starting to look attractive again. So they're moving the money around. They're just moving it from the uh, the builder side of it to the supplier side of it. That's where the yeah, money Yeah, he might have caught a one-year gain of 80% and just said that was fun, right? Move sure. it around somewhere else. So where is the inventory right now, everybody? Like is it is it sitting at the distribution level? Is it starting to sit at the retail level? Is it making its way to the field? Is it different for every region? Where's it Where's it at right now? I feel like it's kind of all over, like evenly spaced throughout the whole system. It just feels like, I don't know, I'm guessing here a little bit, but I mean, I think our mills have adequate inventory. I don't think we have low or high. We're just sort of in the middle. I think we would have less inventory if the, if the railroads would do their job better because we've actually got pretty good order files. I feel like my inventory is manageable. It's not high or low. It's just sort of in the in the middle. I, my customers, they, I think they have decent inventories. It doesn't feel like I'm getting a lot of panicky phone calls lately. They just want to make good decisions and keep doing that over and over and over again. So there's my short, I just feel like it's evenly spaced and that it, it goes along with what Greg said initially that we're in a balanced market. Yeah, same in Pine. I'd say it's probably 50-50 mil to, to customer not a whole lot of disruptions in this this move up. Uh, freight changed on some lanes pretty significantly where everybody was uh, using $2.50 a mile and some of those runs are three and a quarter to 350 now. So not a lot of money there. Brings up a good point, Casey. We've noticed that on the freight side too, coming north to South Halls also. Yeah, based on inventory, you know, Matt's point, I had this conversation yesterday, you know, I say, you know, like we're we're medium, you know, we've got a chunk of wood that's hedged, you know, and as long as it's a premium and I can continue, I mean, I think this is the fourth month I've been I've been able to roll for twenty, twenty-five dollars a thousand, you know. So, you know, I've added seventy-five, a hundred dollars a thousand to my basis 
while the market's been basically flat. You know, that having been said, when I look at it, I look, yeah, we have a medium inventory based on our current sales pace, which has been pretty high. If all of a sudden our sales pace fell by 50%, then we have a lot of inventory, right? I mean, my right. thing is always like when the market, if the market goes up 50 to $100, I have no inventory at all, right? Because yeah. it doesn't matter how much I have, it's not enough. If the market were to slow, you know, this week and roll over, you know, probably, you know, probably not, I'm probably not in terrible shape, right? Well, you've got a hedge. Yeah, you know, I mean, I've got a portion. I always have a portion of my inventory hedge, whether it's 5%. Ashley asked me, you know, where's our hedge? And I said, you know, from in recent memory, it's as high as it's been. But Ash, to, to re, you know, like the, back in the day, I would be, I could be, I could be, you know, 60 to 70% hedged. Yeah. Which was always probably too high. I feel like where we are right now is probably, you know, just right. For people that want to know what the futures market is doing right now, where is it at big picture? Where is it going? What do the spreads look like? And is there anything that's interesting? It seems to me it's kind of stuck in a place where it has, isn't moving a lot right at this point. It's like watching paint dry down there. I mean, it's traded in a $10 range for the last, I don't know, week, 10 days. It's interesting because, you know, it was March was carrying a 25 or $30 premium to cash, you know, and cash has kind of crept up underneath it where, you know, March at, 563 and western print midweek is 558 so since we've come to the new contract the it hasn't really expired um hasn't really traded at a discount near expiration it's kind of held right in there i'm i'm watching i'm watching that pretty carefully right now i i feel like there's a break one way or the other there's probably a 50 dollar move i mean what do you, what's your thought Cash goes a premium to futures. What does that tell you if that happens, that breaks? That's, a, that's the definition of a bull market. Yeah. When was the last time we had a bull market? When was the last time we had that cash over futures? COVID. COVID. Yeah. Was it really that long ago? It was, I guess. We haven't, we haven't had years. it. Since we, almost, yeah, almost three, yeah. Two years ago, two years since we've been, been been in a bull market. I mean, we've been, you know, we we bear marketed and we've basically been stagnant. Most commodity cycles are what eighteen to thirty months type of thing. So we got to be getting to a inflection point one of these days. Yeah, I mean, and that's that kind of what card. Are we just going to be in this kind of grinding sideways market for, to Matt's point, you know, longer? Because then you then you kind of need to talk about demand. And if we go, okay, well, multifamily's down this year. Projections are that housing starts in total are going to be lower than they were last year. But you know, it's still at not a you know not a no, not kind of a crashing number. I mean, if we're like high one threes, you know, somewhere mid high one threes, it's not terrible. It's we continue to be underbuilt. I mean, when you saw yesterday, Chase Schiller came out with uh, home prices uh, hitting an all new all time high. I mean, we, we do have a huge issue in the prices of homes. But isn't that isn't that Kay Schiller, the same home selling over and over again? Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's more that that gives you like the actual like yeah. this is the number. Right. Right. It's right. a much that's probably it's probably the best gauge of what 
the quote unquote really happening to people. Now, I did see the other report though that rents have fallen in a lot of markets, which is I guess that that function of all of the multifamily that's been coming on. So, you know, that's a positive. We really want to watch that rent versus own dynamic because that's something that's ultimately could really slow home sales and home housing starts. So it, it's just our little little microcosm we live in here, Greg, over in Northern Illinois, our neighbor's an agent and she was saying there was somebody that had a house on the market. The clients came at full ask price and they said, no, it's not going to be full ask price. We need uh, that. That was just the starting price. <laughs> and, and, and that is, seems normal in our little market over there. I wonder how that is across the rest of the country on certain well, stuff. I mean, I, I told you the story of one of my kids that, you know, lives in uh, California. I mean, they put their house on the market on a Thursday night, open house, open house, had five cash offers by Monday morning, um, all at above their list price. And they took the two best and said, hey, give us your best final offer. And, yeah. you know, sold it for... 10% above, you know, what, 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 what they were expecting. It doesn't work very well though. What's that case? <laughs> That's how I try to sell lumber, but it doesn't work very well. Yeah. 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 Can you imagine? It's like, it's like I said to Ash the other day, I go, Hey, you know what? We can always come down in price, but like once we quote a number, we can't go, Oh yeah. You know what? I'd like to get another five bucks on that. The customer that says sure to that, I love that guy. Love him. So love I want to go into a little one. So I put up here if a rookie, you know, if you have a rookie or somebody under three years, what should you expect in this market, and what you sh what should you be doing? I'll lead off by saying, get last look on stuff if you can. Right, that makes sense. Like uh, somebody told me today, hey Ash, I don't care until you get last look on it. Oh, that's right, that was Greg. Uh, so that's <laughs> hey hey that's, hey. You know, hey, did that guy give you the order on the one I said, yeah, we'll match the other guy's prices? No, I think we just made the other guy go lower. Oh, did we do that? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that's one of the things that I think for uh, for people just starting out in the industry or here experiencing this market versus one a couple of years ago. Any thoughts? Uh, you know, and I would say get on the phone. Um, you know, nobody's going to hand anything to you in this industry, but most people are... Uh, are good people in this industry and uh we'll, we'll help you along the way if you kind of earn your stripes and uh we've we've got a couple rookies these days and i'm in a role now where i'm trying to help out with that a little bit and uh i'll tell you the guys who, who, who do that have been showing some pretty fast results with some pretty big named accounts that i kind of shocked me when i've seen some of it happen it's it's getting on the phone and just basically have, have have some yeah. hustle yeah, have yeah. some hustle. Well, yeah, yeah in, a, in, a, in a day and age where you can sit in front of your computer all day and email out things and respond to RFQs, you know, getting on the phone, you know, kind of boots on the ground is a real, is a real difference maker for sure. Just responding to an email is not the same as getting somebody on the phone and, and, and you know, talking to them. Sometimes that's a challenge, though. Sometimes it's a challenge. There's some folks that don't want to talk to me. I don't know. I seem like a nice enough guy, I thought. I don't know. <laughs> I think uh, I could sell a lot of lumber every day without ever getting on the phone if I want to, right? Like Greg just said, it 
it doesn't take talent to craft up an email and mass send it out to the world. It just takes 10 minutes of time. But that's not why I'm successful. I'm successful because I've met every single one of my customers and I've walked through their their lumber yards and I know exactly how many acres they're working with and I know the people that unload the cars and I know all of my mill guys. I've been to their mills. I mean, I, I actually go and visit people that I do business with. And in fact, I won't do business with people I don't like. Okay. So if you want to, if you want to make your career a lot more fun, well, you can do this for 30 years and still have fun doing it. Just narrow down the people that you're willing to deal with, with the ones that you actually like and trust. And if you don't like and trust somebody, just tell them, look, I can't trust you. I don't want to do business with you and move on. Seriously, your life will be much more simple and you'll be a lot more profitable and you'll be a lot happier in your life than, than you will if you just want to slam the phone and, and the email all day long and just ask for beg for offers. Like, I got no problem telling my customers, I'm not doing this for free. If you want me to go broke, then I'm just not going to sell you. I want to make money too, just like you do, right? Yeah. So, and you know what happens when I tell them that? They laugh. They think it's funny. They, they're like, yeah, we, we agree with you. You know, you, you would think that, that they would be like, oh, they're offended. No, no they're going through the same thing guys, on their they end. They want to make 20%, right? Yeah. I want to make four. Whoopty freaking do. I'm here to help you make money, but I want, I want to make money too. It's a partnership. So if you can approach your job that way, deal with people you like, deal with people that don't mind you making a little bit of money once in a while, you're not always going to be right. I don't make money on every transaction. Sometimes I intentionally take losses. Sometimes I have to. I don't have a choice. But, you know, in the in the big scheme of things, you have to have enough self-respect to know who you're dealing with, get on an airplane, go shake their hand, look them in the eye and know what you're dealing with. Like, you, you know, you'll be a better trader in the long run if you go back to the fundamentals of knowing the people that you buy to. Knowing them not just on an email basis, right? Like, get on a plane, go visit somebody. I love it, man. That's uh. And Matt, I've That's been around you when you're around people that you, I've been around <laughs> you when you're around people you don't, when you don't like, and uh, it's uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't even remember, I don't, time, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so um, just to, real quick, if you're a framer, a builder right now, and uh, heck, let's throw it in. You can framer, builder, retailer. You got business sold. Like, what's the advice to people right now? Dependent how how much of an inventory should they be building on certain things, and what should they be asking for in pricing, and how far out? It seems like we are still caught in the thirty day, the thirty day cycle. Does that make sense? Where maybe that's why we're so smooth and steady. I don't know how much Ford business has done out there with the premiums and the CME right now, and how low prices were. So maybe there wasn't an ability to get a lot of forward pricing, but how far out should people in multifamily jobs be buying right now if we're only in the third or fourth inning of this, right? What should people be looking for and what questions should they be asking? In my opinion, on some of these fine prices still, I would have my second quarter covered. And I don't know if a lot of people are there. Do you feel that they're not there right now, Case? I don't think they're there all the way. Yeah. There might be a little bit of it, but... I doubt it. I think there's people that have been moving to get April, May jobs covered as of late. But I, you know, I kind of agree. I think, you know, I, I don't think everything for Q2 is, is locked up. I think 
you get a little more of an uptick in print here and um, that may force some more people in. I've seen inquiry for for things has been has increased a little bit lately. But, you know, I mean, you know, you know, candidly, you know, the premium for like, you know, May, June starts is there's a decent premium in it over today's price. That's just the reality of the managed risk standpoint, whether you're going to buy it and put it in a reload and pay storage, handling, trucking and interest for a couple, three months or, you know, I'm going to give it to you direct to the job site and you know, in May, June, I mean, there's a cost to that back to, you know, to, to Matt's point. There's a cost to that. I thought people wanted it at a discount for extended shipment. I think people are suffering from what Casey talked about earlier with just margin squeeze. And so they're going to try everything they can from species swapping to beating up on truck rates to, you know, trying to pawn the risk off to you or me as traders to extend shipments at, at zero uh, premium. You know what I mean? And, you know, sometimes if you hit the right item, if you're call up a sawmill and they want, you know, they got 300 units of two to six, eight foot laying around and your job calls for a bunch of two to six, eight foot. Yeah. You got a really good argument to make right there. But if you're looking for two before nine foot number two, and you want somebody to hold shipment for you and not raise the price. <laughs> good luck, buddy. Let yep. me know how that works out for you. All right. What do you think, Ash? I mean, Mary Date? I think we roll into the merry date or dump segment of this one. That's a fan favorite for everybody. I, I will say, I think, uh, you know, Matt had his little introduction was talking about the green. I think there was some stuff we were tracking pretty well with too, over the last few weeks, Matt, you were talking about two by four over the last few weeks, just straight out two by four being the cheapest. It's not, it's, it's moved up pretty good. Right. Just straight out two by four, two and better. Yeah, it's two before spruce and hempfers definitely firmed up. That's kind of what I'm dating at the moment is just two before number three, two before number two, Western species, spruce or hempfer. I feel like it's it's in the date zone right now. It's kind of fun. I'm not gonna marry it just because, you know, all things have a half life, but uh but I do like it at the moment. My marry thing is is really it's obvious. It's it's the it's the most obvious trade in the whole wide world right now. It's two by eight and two by ten. Anything, okay? I don't care if it's green or dry. I don't care what grade it is. I just think mills have done all they can to get rid of that uh, production over the last ninety days, and now they're done with it. And now the market. So we're starting to see inquiries now, big inquiries for two by eight, and two by ten. You know, it doesn't matter if it's economy and better or premium. It all you know, all grades going all over the country because it's now springtime. We're almost in March. And that's the time of year when people wake up and go, you know, I could probably use some two by two by 10 in my yard. And then the next thing will happen is two by 12 will kick off gear, but I'm not ready for that trade yet. Right now I'm ready to marry two by eight and two by 10, any grade, any species, you name it, any length, shut your eyes and buy it and put it in a warehouse for 60 days and then wake up on uh, April 30th and make a phone call or two. I love it. Casey, how about you? Um, you know, I'd say dating, uh, I'm going to throw it out to you kind of what you guys are doing a lot of it. Some of that non-grade stamp euro, I think that's going to continue to be a little tighter down the road as some of that production might not show up this year. And uh, it's a good product. It's a good product for a manufacturer like us. So I think that's something to stay with. 
I got married to OSB. I'm on a honeymoon right now, and uh, <laughs> I, hope, uh, I hope she doesn't leave me because, uh, yeah, I'm just uh, I'm writing that one out for a while. Greg, well, I mean, I've been I've been in a long term relationship with two by four nines. They've moved up, I don't know, forty, fifty dollars a thousand since since we uh, tied the knot. You know, I look at they're still probably undervalued by fifty dollars a thousand, and you know, as multifamily jobs continue to um, get booked for the second quarter, I think that's that's going to continue to tighten up. You know, I wanted to get married to two by six one hundred fours, but she ran away and married somebody else before I could do it. Um, yeah. <laughs> Ashley, you know, last week I threw a teaser out there. I said, you know, I I, I want to date this, but you know, I'm not sure. You know, I want anybody coming in and swooping in. And you know, Ashley said, well, I hope that uh, this is not the item, but it's two by four MSR. You know, we are dating. Um, you know, it's casual relationship. I mean, it's an open relationship. You know, people are they're free to do whatever you want. Um, <laughs> but, you know, when you're buying an item, um, when you're buying when you buy an MSR at the same price as two and better this time of the year, you know, the seasonality is really favorable for that. And, you know, given how much, you know, like the rain on the West Coast, particularly the, the Phoenix market, that's a big consumer of MSR. I think as that opens up and they clear the backlog of inventory, that's going to provide an additional pull. We've actually seen the spread of Eastern out there where it was maybe where it was a, a, a you know a huge discount. That spread's closed in a little bit already. You know, back to like, you know, hey, dumping. I'm not dumping anything right now. There's no need for that. The wind's at the back, you know, got to be in to win. I, I love it. Uh, so married for me, I've uh, I've gone from dating to marrying MSR. Hopefully there's enough lag in this in this podcast, because I'll probably go marry. I'll probably buy it a bigger ring later on today. We'll see. You can have a harem. Um, it, as far as dating, I'm uh, I'm still a northern guy. But if I lived down south and was, you know, maybe went to college there, I'd probably be dating two by four Southern Yellow Pine, number two or number one, just because I like MSR that much. I like the spread between MSR and Southern Pine. Um, but you know, like I said, I I'm only talking about dating it because I don't have the um, I don't know where to take it on a date very very often. If that makes sense, I I would just be uh, caught driving around and uh, and getting rid of. I, I I agree. I don't have anything I really want to get rid of right now except inventory that I have at a big profit. So that's uh that's that's my my you know, one of the things that's interesting, you know, when you look at like the market dynamics, you, know, you think about something a few, three, four months ago, we were hot to trot two by four, 16 foot euro. It was all dolled up. It was the thing, you know, here we are four months later, that price hasn't changed at all. The rest of the market has all gotten better and it yeah. really, hasn't, it really hasn't changed at all. You know, so I'm, I'm wondering if there's something that should be dumped. Maybe it is euro two by four, 16s. And, you know, on their way to being undervalued and, you know, three or four a month from now, six weeks from now, we're saying, hey, they're the, they're the they could they could be the buy. So they're they're in that transition period right now. We have some available for anyone that's interested. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And two by four, 16 euro really isn't on the crazy hot scale, is it? Where would you put it on that scale? I mean, I think it's better than you think. Yeah. OK. I All do. Right. I think I think I think you should just. Stand down, caller. Um, the, re <laughs> the, 
the reason I say that is because I know, I know for a fact, and this is from my own experience and as a buyer and a seller in Western Spruce, if it's got 16s on it, it's really valuable and it starts with a six. Okay. It's, so, it always has great liquidity. That's for sure. Yeah. But it's not as easy to buy as people want you to believe it is. And so okay. if you know for a fact that there's less Euro coming over and you know, for a fact that the Western mills are holding their line and the board's telling you a story, why would you dump the one item that is the most liquid? Answer that one caller. They, <laughs> <laughs> There you call, go. Call you I should mean, be breaking that's, up. That's, Jason, that's what we call a prospect. That's why this show is so great. You know, we get to like, you know, I mean, I, Matt, I'm I'm open to learn from you every day, brother. Dude, I, I, I've lived this, okay? So I've I've been selling like volume. Like I told you, I looked at my volume February this year over last year is up 41% on inventory sales and up 33% on overall sales, just volume of dollars. Okay. Now, part of that is the price of lumber is a little bit higher this year. Maybe it's $50 higher this year than it was last year. So part of that's just dollar volumes a little higher, but part of it is volume volume is higher. And, and here at the beginning of the month, I was nervous about my inventory, you know, true, true story. I had a lot of inventory and I had a lot coming and I've been able to churn through all that very successfully in terms of managing my risk and, and doing my job as an inventory manager. Uh, the one thing I've noticed as we complete the month is that I can sell 16s every day, all day long with a number three stamp on them. Okay. And so I, I can sell more than I can buy. Okay. I, I don't have any problem selling 16s number three. So if I happen to be in the number six, number two, 16 business, such as you guys, I would, I would say, learn from what I just experienced in the last 30 days that, um, don't be nervous. You'll be fine. Well, you know, it's very interesting on those numbers that you just said, right? You're in a different part of the country, right? Southwest and, and coast. And we're in, in a different species and we're in pine in the Southeast. And those are eerily similar numbers to what we're seeing. 38, 40%. Maybe there's more business out there, you know? I mean, who knows? It's 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 fascinating to me. I I don't want to read too much into it. I, I told you guys all before the year started that I was bullish on the first half of the year for many, many reasons. And I and I'm cloudy on the second half of the year and for, for equally many reasons. A lot of it's to do with politics and and an election year. So I'm just going to try to milk as much business as I can out of, you know, between now and the end of June and, and then hold on for dear life in the second half of the year and just see what happens and just follow the market, not lead the market. So I, right now I feel like I can lead the market a little bit. And then sometime around Memorial Day, I'm going to transition over to a listener and not a talker. I'm just going to be like, okay, I've done all I can do for this time period. And uh, let's just see what happens. Cause I don't know what's going to happen. And then you get smart guys like Brian come on and say he's negative. That, that worries me, you know, that, and I was talking to a buddy of mine, that's a financial dude. You know, he's a pretty sharp, one of those guys that professionally, you know, trades his own money, multimillionaire, very successful person. And he's the opposite. He's super bullish on the second half of the year. He thinks that the fed and all the, the, 
all the worldwide federal governments are going to be dropping rates to try to spur more spending in the second half of the year, which I find fascinating. Like, I mean, there's a lot of high level economic back and forth guys that are on Brian's level. They're arguing with each other right now over what's the proper course of action for the for the monetary policy. It, nobody really knows except for the Fed themselves. So it'll be no, no. I, I think you're giving them too much credit. They don't know either, Matt. They don't know either. Yeah, I just I I don't you know. Hey, we could talk about that for hours, and I know it's fascinating to to talk about economic theory, but. But when you have an election year, you just can throw that all out the window. It just some things are done for political reasons and not for economic reasons. And I'm, that's all I'm going to say about it. I, it's not negative. It's just reality. It's just the way it's going to be. And so, therefore, I want to be a little bit more conservative in the second half of the year than than I, I than I feel like we should we should be smartly aggressive in the first half of the year and smartly conservative in the second half of the year. Hey, Casey, so I it was I just we're going to wrap it up like this, but I want to um, talk, have give you a chance to say how people can get a hold of you. You have a bunch of I mean, how many traders do you have there now? Uh, we are up to one, two, three, four, five, six, six and a kind of a part time guy. So six and a half, I'd say um, that that half is the guy. He's doing a lot of production. That half guy's a little slower. No, no, no. He's sharp. He's whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> but we've, we've, had some growth. we've had some growth. We kind of started, uh, you know, a, a little over a year ago, and it was like three of us, and we were kind of, you know, two of us were really the the, the hard traders, me and Charles, and and uh, we're adding to the team, and and it's it's growing, and and the the new guys are are showing some good promise and success, and. It's exciting to kind of be part of uh, of that now at this part of my career, right? Where I can give a little bit back to to that world. Do you stay up in Michigan, or do you go back and forth from? I mean, do you move no, around? No, I'm Michigan. It's all pretty much, uh, you know, just phone remote. Um, I'll go down see the manufacturing once a year, maybe twice, but that's about it. So Casey, but the last time you were on, I had a handful of calls. People wanting your information. What's the best? What's the best email to get a hold of you at? So it's c o n e i l l at ifpwood.com. Right on, right on. That's perfect, dude. We always appreciate having you on. We're gonna do it again, yeah. probably in three weeks. So everybody, thanks a lot for making the lumber word popular, and thank you, Mac, Greg, and Casey for coming on, spending your time. And uh, we'll look forward to doing this again next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Lumber Word. The Lumber Word podcast is dedicated to engaging conversations about the lumber industry, including trading ideas, market trends, and evaluations of overvalued and undervalued assets. We wish to emphasize that the discussions and opinions expressed in this podcast are purely for informational and entertainment purposes. They should not be considered as financial or investment advice. We encourage our listeners to make their own financial decisions, taking into account their unique circumstances and financial goals, and to seek professional financial advice if necessary.